Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Well, Sal, what's up next is we should be hearing from Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean, in some capacity next week. And that'll probably be the last time we get to hear from him up until the day of the draft. So there's going to be a lot of things that he needs to talk about, whether it's one, the actual draft, or two, some of the decisions that the team has made really in free agency and their lack of trade, you know, all these things that people want to talk about. Yeah, we're going to be out at the stadium maybe Monday or Tuesday um, next week, April 17th, 18th in there. We haven't had our official media schedule yet, but it is hard to believe that it's already here. And yes, the team is going to be doing workouts before the draft, and then they're going to have the draft a week and a half later, and then they're going to have rookie minicamp shortly after that, and then we're back in full swing, and they go through their nine-week off-season program, which lasts over 10 weeks, and they have mandatory minicamp in the middle of June. And here we go, Matt. You talked about it on the uh, the pod that I was not around um, training camp looks like it's Fisher end of July. I was just thinking now we are right now, right around the point of the midway point, if you will, of the off season, because the season ended for the bills, like end of January, February, March, April, that's three months, right? Then you have May, June, July. There we go. Now we're back at training camp. It's pretty wild. So, I think one of the other things that we should probably mention too is that we spent a lot of time on our first podcast this week talking about if it was a good idea to bring back Shaq Lawson. And then literally hours later, they officially brought back Shaq Lawson, which is cool to know that Brandon listens to the podcast and then was able to pick up the phone and sign Shaq. I think Shaq Lawson was a really good player for this team last year. I I think he was one of their more consistent players on the entire defense overall, actually. When he played, he was effective. He was efficient. Um, He's not Greg Rousseau necessarily in the athletic traits and things like that, but I thought that – and I'll give Shaq a lot of credit. I think you go back to Shaq's rookie year. They drafted him in 2016 under Rex. He was was a linebacker in a 3-4. just was never a fit, but he was a Clemson guy. Rex took him. And the way his career evolved, I think by the time he – got to his fourth year he was we were starting to see it and then the bills you know they allowed him to leave via free agency they didn't try try too hard to keep him it seemed like which was fine they went a different direction and then he goes back to buffalo and i think that he had he's put together another a a nice season last year when he came back yeah one other person for some reason that i wanted to bring up right here because i don't think he is signed anywhere and it was something we mentioned briefly when we talked to chris about their lack of kind of depth on the defensive line and players that are signed long term do you remember the connection to Puna Ford? Didn't Ryan Talbot put out there that they were interested, but it might cost them too much money? And then the Taylor Rapp stuff kind of got the wheels going in the head. Could you like try and sign Puna Ford to a really short-term deal and see if both sides, you know, benefit from it long-term? I think he went back to the Seahawks. Did he? I think he did. Yeah. If I, the Seahawks, let's see. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's the case. I want to go and check, but I, I remember that. He's listed as a Seahawks player on his Wikipedia page. So yeah, usually it's I don't, free agent not. I don't remember him signing anywhere. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Seahawks predicted to sign playmaker to $15 million. I'm looking at some of the news items. I don't know. We should be, I should probably know this more than I do, but I, I don't think it. No, I, I sprung this. No, maybe I sprung. he is uh, uh, still a free agent, I guess, the way it's looking from some of the Seahawks things I'm reading. I mean, I sprung this on you completely out of the blue, but it was just a name that I had been thinking about when we were talking about defensive linemen. Okay. So predicted to resign. So I think it's, people are expecting him to resign, but maybe, I don't know. I, how much money do they have there, right? I mean, what are you supposed to spend? The Bills have said outright, like, it's like minimum base basically for free agents now. They're not going to risk that third-round comp pick they have coming next year. Yeah, basically, they've got to keep it under that threshold so they make sure they can get that additional third-round pick next year, which is really smart business for the Bills. Just one, because the third-round pick is valuable, but two, you're going to need players on your roster that don't make a ton of money, third-round picks as examples, and that's something that they're going to need to lean on, especially with Josh Allen's contract skyrocketing now from here until the rest of his time, really, when he's in Buffalo. They have 67 players on their roster, okay? so, so let's But that's that. the thing. They need to sign more people. Like, they need to. They do, but not a ton. Let's remember, they're going to have six draft picks right now as it's scheduled, mm -hmm. right? So that gets you to 73. And they I assume usually have 10 to 12 undrafted free agents. I was going to say 10. So that gets they, you to 83. Sure. They, they have a room for about seven more guys, but those are the guys that are hanging around, looking for deals, haven't had a job yet. But I want to remind everybody, once the draft is over, I think that's when you also revisit your own free agents. Taiwan Jones, Dean Marlowe, A.J. Klein, Bobby Hart, Jake Kumaro, Greg Van Roten. I'm going to say Cole Beasley and Roger Saffold. I don't think they're necessarily in the plans. But I think, Matt, that might be where you get. To me, those guys hang out and say, you tell them, look, let us get through the draft. Let's see what we need. You, you know the system. We can bring you in right away. It's seamless. You don't have to go out and sign them right away because they know your system. You know the player. I would expect maybe one or two of those guys to come back to Buffalo. Of all of the people you just mentioned, I think A.J. Klein makes the most sense. With the uncertainty of what's going to happen at linebacker, even if you do go out and you draft a linebacker with a really premium pick, I just think you know that A.J. Klein can at least hold down the fort next to Matt Milano, and the two of them have had somewhat, you know, they've had a little bit of success next to each other. So that's why of the names you've mentioned, I think he would be the biggest priority. Yeah, let's um talk a little bit about, you know, around the league and especially the AFC East, because we're getting crunch time now here with this jets Rogers thing, right? What, what happens? What, well, is it, maybe it's not to you, but what happens if you get to the draft and you don't have the trade done yet? And the jets are sitting there with a high grade on a quarterback who, and they're, they're, they're sitting right there in the first round. I think you, I think you probably just have a cutoff and I think that we're not going to reach that cutoff. Like, excuse me, maybe the cutoff is, the day of the draft. Like if we don't have a deal in place, then there's no deal on the table and we're going to start That's to look I mean. elsewhere, but I just don't think it's going so to get to do it. Oh, well, I mean, maybe you're so you don't think, okay, we have what we have uh, two weeks, much, I mean, 15 days left to the draft. Mm -hmm. You think the deal gets done in the next 15 days? I do. Just from the way that everybody has always talked about it, it feels like it's more of a foregone conclusion. I'm sure both sides are just posturing to try and get the most out of it as possible. Like, I think the Jets are probably right. offering, I don't want to say they're lowballing, but the Packers are waiting to see how desperate that they ultimately get to see if they can get that extra pick or that extra asset that's coming back. So that's kind of what I think is happening. But I think both of them are turning the page and trying to figure out kind 100%. of what, what they're doing moving forward. 
I think it's obvious that you know, you talk about leverage. Who has a leverage? To me, they both have motivation. They both want to get it done, right? But I, I could see the Packers and Mark Murphy, Clarence native, by the way, mm-hmm. saying basically, hey, he's Aaron Rodgers, and I'm giving you up. I'm not giving him away for less than a first-round pick and more. And the Jets going, yeah, but you have no choice or else you're going to pay him, so we're not giving you that. And I think that's where the stalemate seems to come in. And then you have the 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 Lamar Jackson situation still sitting there in Baltimore. They sign Odell Beckham. Lamar is putting on social media all this stuff about bringing him in, and yeah, he's happy about it. Apparently, they talked before that. It seems like Lamar is maybe getting ready to return to Baltimore, which is kind of blowing my mind, actually, after everything they went through. He said, we. Like he's yes. joining, you know, he was referring to the Ravens as we, so he clearly still thinks of himself as a Raven. And it feels like at this point, like he's going to go back. I, I just get the sense that, especially after the Odell Beckham stuff and all the fanfare and them FaceTiming each other and the comments that have been made, like that's going to happen. I also don't think even though they paid him significantly more than probably most teams were going to, I don't think Odell Beckham would be going to Baltimore if he didn't have a firm belief that Lamar was going to be the quarterback there. Uh, okay. Let me, I don't know if that's true. Really? Because they paid him a lot of money. He may say like, okay, I don't care who the quarterback is. I'm getting 15 million. Nobody else is paying me more than eight. Mm-hmm. Well, right. I, I maybe I'm thinking, I'm saying maybe teams would give him 10 or 12 instead of 15. Maybe. maybe. I mean, Obviously, I don't think the Bills could have got to that 10 or 12 mark or the Chiefs could have got to that 10 or 12 mark, but I'm sure there were other teams out there that were probably kind of close. I agree with you, though, that they probably had a discussion and Lamar's like, yeah, dude, I'm probably coming back or whatever. I That that probably helps him get there, but man, money talks. And if if Odell Beckham Jr. did not have anywhere close to the suitors would pay the money that Baltimore was. And Baltimore's like, come here. We'll give you a guaranteed 15 million. You can make up to 18 million. He may say, Hey, I hope you work it out with Lamar because I'm coming and I I'm going to, I'm going to get paid. I think it's fascinating. What is also interesting is, so the bills do not play uh, the Baltimore Ravens this year. They're not on the schedule. The only AFC North team they play is the Cincinnati Bengals. What do you think about Baltimore and what they do? Let's say Lamar does come back. I've seen a lot of people saying Todd Munkin's offense is going to be really good for Odell uh, with Lamar, with Rashad Bateman. Is Baltimore in the mix? I still don't see it. I think this is still Cincinnati's division, and I think Cleveland is not far behind, to be honest with you. Ooh, so you're going to say Cleveland's not far behind. I was going to say I don't think the Steelers are far behind. I think Cincinnati is the top dog. I liked what I saw from Kenny Pickett at the end of last year. I do too. I mean, I don't think interception like the last half of the year. Yeah, obviously, people are going to think of him listening to this podcast. People are going to think of his first ever start against the Bills. And he didn't even play that bad in that game. It was just a couple mistakes here and there. And the Bills were clicking and humming at that point. I don't know. I think the AFC North is a really good division. And I think that that's a very competitive division. I would say Baltimore's the second best team, though. But I do think that Cleveland and Pittsburgh are both really hot on their tail. And the reason I say that is because even though those other teams have nice players, when in doubt, rank things by the quarterbacks I think Burrow's the best I think Lamar's the second best and then you know I don't know about Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson a couple years ago I would have had up in that same category as those two but last year he didn't really look like the same Deshaun Watson and Kenny Pickett you know the verdict's still out so I would still say the Ravens are the second best team in that division probably a playoff team well I'm a I'm a Mike Tomlin fan I think you know he's done great a great job and he's never had a losing season and I will agree with this 
and tell you uh, from what you're saying about Pittsburgh, they have had a good offseason. I really like the the moves they've made this offseason. And Kenny Pickett did look very good down the stretch last year. So there's no doubt they could be in the mix. I don't see them challenging Cincinnati. They're still too good with Burrow and all those offensive weapons. But I do think the Steelers could be right there in the mix. By the I way, just, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I just had something kind of embarrassing happen to me. So I just looked okay. it up. When you said that they didn't play the Ravens this year, I forgot their opponent like obviously you know the division and you know some of the notable ones but i think it's been so long since i've thought about it i had to go look up and be like okay where are we going this year who are the away opponents who are the home opponents like that threw me off a little bit i know their schedule isn't their away schedule this year is a gauntlet it is crazy but yeah no i was like a little because in years past the schedule is going to come out in early may and i'll have the schedule memorized two weeks later like yep. every single game, time, week, all of that will be in the back of my head. But I just had like a little brain fart of like, hey, where are we going this year? Well, uh, we should be getting the schedule in about a little less than a month. It's going to be pretty, pretty much, I think, the first week or so of May. And we're going to definitely talk a lot more about that. We have some plans for It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Speaking of It's Always Game Day, I'll leave you with this trivia. Speaking of AFC North, and I'm going to credit the Always Game Day in Cleveland host, Daryl Ryder, who's also... He's me in Cleveland. He's the beat reporter uh, for the fan in Cleveland. I had Daryl Ryder on our Extra Point show on WGR with myself and Joe DiBiase. And as I said, Daryl hosts the Always Game Day in Cleveland podcast as well here on Odyssey. And he gave us the stat, and I did not realize. Matt, can you tell me the last time the Cleveland Browns finished ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Not even oh, win the division. Just no. ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC North. Um... I would say early 2000s. That's my 1989. guess. 1989. Oh my God. Now, granted, they didn't have, they didn't have a team for four years, but who cares? I mean, that's still incredible. 1989, 34 years. That's just awful. Now, I'm not talking winning the division. I'm talking just finishing ahead of one team in the division, the Steelers. So when's the last time they won the division then? I think it might have been that year because the stat was the year the Bills went to Cleveland in the Ronnie Harmon drop pass, which I was a junior in high school, went to that game. Yeah, that was ball. like one of the crazy games that could have had right. five straight Super Bowls, right? Or was that the year yeah. before the Super Bowl run started? No, that was that was um that was the year before the Super Bowl run started. 88, they go to Cincinnati losing the AFC championship. 89, they go to Cleveland losing the divisional round. 90, they go to the Super Bowl. But yeah, that was a great 89 Browns team. But that's the last time they even finished ahead of the Steelers in the division, which is insane. We think here how the Patriots just lorded over the Bills and everybody for a while for mm-hmm. 20 years. 35 years. That's bananas. And what you're basically telling me is the AFC championship, and then they had the game where they lost in the divisional round. So there is still hope that even though the Bills lost in the divisional round this past year, well, for the last two years, I guess, that they could go on a run and go to four straight Super Bowls, and maybe they'll win one this time instead of losing all of them. There's There's hope, Sal. There, there is hope. We'll leave everybody with hope today. We'll leave everybody with reminding them that they can download and subscribe to the, to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. We hope you do that. Sal Capaccio, WGR, Matt Bovey, WKBW-TV Channel 7 in Buffalo. We want to thank, by the way, Lucas Buckley for doing a great job on this podcast as well. He's always doing a great job helping us out producing. And Jake Galley. Now, it's Galley or Galley. I don't know Jake's how you say his last name. Maybe he's he can tell me in my ear or something. But we want to thank uh, him as well because he was a very big instrumental part of this particular podcast today.
Yeah. And I think we're trying some new things, which we're excited about. And we'll yep. obviously keep everybody in the loop with those new things. Got big plans for it's always game day in Buffalo. feel like we're just scratching the surface. We've appreciated everybody listening up to this point, And we're just hoping that we're going to keep on churning out content, keep growing, and it'll be a really fun off season for the rest of it. And then, you know, we're going to be humming by the time the season gets here. Download, subscribe. It's always game day in Buffalo. Odyssey app, obviously, wherever you pod, iTunes, Spotify, Throw us a nice review and a five-star rating. For Matt, I'm Sal. We'll talk to you next time.